Good morning, VVCC. How are we doing? Oh, do you mean those words, right? Jesus, we love you. You're the one our hearts adore. Oh, so good. I want to take you back to a moment in time for me. It's supposed to be a special day. One of those days that you're supposed to remember that you worked hard for for years at a culmination of work, dedication, and just putting in the hard work. It was my graduation of college, and I am sitting there in the midst of this large church in downtown Chicago in what was supposed to be a phenomenal day. I just felt sad. The reason I felt sad was this. I had been steeped in anxiety for months. It was as if this broken record had been playing in my head for the past six or seven months, and I couldn't get out of it. I was stuck in a rut. It was like wearing a straight jacket, and the harder I tried, the more trapped I felt. As the pressures of life built and, and insecurities, not feeling like I measured up these worries, these fears, these anxieties built over those six or seven months to culminate on that graduation day, sitting there wondering what happened. Maybe you've been there before, you've had that moment where you reflect back on your day your week, your month, for me, six months, maybe it was a year for you, when you season of life and you think, wow, where has the time gone and I have been steeped in anxiety? Maybe for you, you're facing financial difficulties and pressures, and you don't know where the funds are going to come in to meet that rent bill, to pay that car payment, and you are just anxious, stuck in a rut. The broken record is playing. Maybe you're facing relational strife. There's that person that you are just at odds with, and maybe it's this toxic situation, and you're just overwhelmed and anxious and can't stop thinking about it. Maybe for you, you've gotten that diagnosis, and now you're facing treatment. And as you schedule these appointments on the calendar and meet with doctors and try to move forward, you just feel that anxiety. What do we do with our anxious minds? And you might say, well, how do you, how do you define anxiety? What, is, what does that mean? Well, Let's, let's put it this way. So let's say after service, you know, we, we pray, we say amen, you walk out the hall, you're talking to people, life is going good, you walk to your car, and you see something that should not be there. Maybe you see a bear in the parking lot of Verde Valley Christian Church. How are you going to respond? Some of you, I know exactly how you might 
respond? How are you going to feel? Your heart starts racing. Your palms get sweaty. Your body goes into fight or flight mode. This is sort of what anxiety is. It's this ongoing feeling of facing a bear. Everything in your body just is is shutting down. Your, Your stomach hurts. Again, those palms are sweaty. You can't focus and concentrate because, well, there's a bear and you know about to attack you, so to speak. And you feel that way for days and weeks and months. And you look back and you say, What happened? How do I replace my anxiety with peace? What do I do with my anxiety? We're going to look at God's word to tell us what to do with it. So turn with me in Matthew chapter 14 or pull up on your phones. And as always, we'll have it on the screen. Matthew chapter 14. I'm going to be starting at verse 22. It's going to be Matthew chapter 14 verses 22 through 33. And as you're getting ready, as we're getting ready to dive into this passage, Jesus has been doing these incredible miracles, these incredible teachings. He's just finished feeding a whole lot of people, performing this incredible miracle. And now we're going to see what Jesus does next. It's really interesting. He sets the stage for something to take place that teaches the disciples this incredible lesson and teaches us this incredible lesson. And whether it be in this passage or whether it be in your own life, Jesus has an amazing way of setting the stage for us to draw closer to him. So if you're ready to keep going on, say, I'm ready. ready. All right, let's pray as we continue this time. So Jesus, we love you. We worship you. You are the one our hearts adore. And God, I just, we just devote this time to you. Bibles open or on the screen, hearts open. We just want to seek you. Lord, you know what's going on in our lives. You know each one of my friends here or online, when we just started talking about anxiety, there's things that are coming to mind for them. There's some really hard stuff in this room. And I pray, Lord, that you meet each person where they are at, like you do. Would you remind them that you love them? God, if they don't know you, maybe it's their first time in a church door, God, would you let them know Gosh, you love them. Help us to walk away from this time a little closer to you, a little more just hearts full for you. We love you. Our hearts adore you. pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So Matthew chapter 14, starting at verse 22. Remember, Jesus has just done this incredible miracle, feeding a plethora of people, and it says this, immediately... Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed 
the crowd. Why, why would Jesus get the disciples out of there so quick? I find that so interesting. And there's this parallel passage in the Gospel of John where you're going over this account too. And the people wanted to make Jesus king. They're like, man, if he can do that, let's make him king. That sounds great. I want free bread, free fish. And Jesus, knowing the situation, who's Lord over the situation, Lord over the timing of his future death, burial, and resurrection, says, uh-uh, we're not doing this. He puts the disciples in the boat, go, and they go. Jesus dismisses the crowd, says, hey, you can get out of here. And from there, Jesus is by himself. So let's look at verse 23, what he does next. After he had dismissed them, he went up a mountainside by himself to pray. Boy, I am so thankful for the beautiful just mountains and trails and everything we have here, don't you? If you like hiking and spending time in the wilderness, and it, you're not alone. The Son of God would love to do that too. I just, I just love that. Can we just say, like, what, what, what was that time? What was that hike like up the mountainside for Jesus? Did he enjoy it? Did he say, oh, yeah, I remember when I created that and that? <laughs> so cool to think about, right? It's one sentence, so we gloss over it, but it's just like, wow, this is so cool to think about. This really happened. So later that night, he was there alone. Let's look at verse 24 as we keep going. And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land. So we got Jesus on the side of the mountain. We got the disciples. Remember, they're in the boat. Jesus told them to go. They're in the boat. Several of them fishermen, mind you, all right? They're, no, they're not new to boats. They're not new to the water. They're buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. I don't know about you, but I don't use the word buffeted very much. The waves were smacking, hitting them hard. They were in the midst of a crazy storm. This was huge. Imagine the feeling of the disciples. Imagine the sight of the waves. The Sea of Galilee, because of, it was surrounded by hills and it was kind of you know, in this little valley, had some crazy weather. We know nothing about that in the Verde Valley, do we? <laughs> the weather can change on a dime. It was known for having some crazy storms in the Sea of Galilee. These disciples, several of them, Shouldn't have been nothing new to them, but this was no ordinary storm. This is one packed of power storm. So the wind's against it. Let's look at verse 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. So shortly before dawn, so somewhere in the 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. hours, uh, he came to them. It's incredible. So imagine the disciples have been up all night. They have not gotten much sleep. They are tired. I felt that a little bit. I'm feeling that. <laughs> they are tired. And what do they see? Jesus coming out to them. All right, let's talk about this. There's, there's no way any ordinary person can walk on water, is there? For several reasons, right? Our feet our feet can't handle it. They're not made that way. The shape of our bodies, there's no buoyancy to it. There might be certain kind of little tiny bugs or animals that can do it. You and I could never. If we were to say, hey, after service, let's go to Dead Horse and Andrew's going to go walk on that lake, what's going to happen to me? I'm going to make a fool of myself. 
So this is nothing short of miraculous. It is miraculous. Look with me in verse 26. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were what? Terrified. Can you imagine? They haven't gotten any sleep or maybe very little sleep. They're tired. They're exhausted. It's dark out. Maybe, maybe the moon's out. Maybe see a little bit of uh, moonlight there on the lake. The waves are going. Remember, they're buffeted by those waves. They're terrified. And they say, they try to logically try to figure out what's going on. They say, well, maybe it's a, it's a ghost. They said, they cry out in fear. Remember, these grown men, several of them fishermen, are crying out in fear. They're terrified. Verse 27, but Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It's I. Don't be afraid. How many times do we see this in the gospel where Jesus or an angel or something, take courage. Don't be afraid. Fear not. We'll talk more about this too as we continue on. Jesus wants, I think, to tell you that too this morning. Take courage. It's I. I'm here. I'm here. The storm is crazy. The storm is huge. You're getting buffeted by the waves, so to speak. Don't be afraid. Verse 28, Peter, we know good old Peter, right? Peter loves to be the first one to say something, to be in the mix. He just goes and he says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. I love, I feel like I'm like, Peter, you could have just said, hey, Lord, if it's you, when's my birthday? Right? Like he could have verified it another way. If it's you, and this if really is more of like a, hey, since it's you, because it's you, I know it's you, I hear your voice. Since it's you, Lord, tell me to come to the water, prove it. Jesus says one word. Verse 29, come. Then Peter got down out of the boat. Can you imagine what that felt like? Peter getting his foot over the, over the boat into the water and and. Remember, the waves are going crazy. The ship is rocking. It's insane. Remember, they cried out in fear. Imagine him taking that first step onto the choppy water, what that was like. He came toward Jesus. I find that so interesting, too. I, I wonder how many paces Peter had to take you know, on that choppy water getting to Jesus. Just be terrified. All the while, he's walking straight to Jesus. He's looking at Jesus. Look with me in verse 30. But when he saw the wind. Now, can you actually see wind, by the way? Like, no, right? When he saw the effects of the wind, right? He saw the waves going and buffeting the ship. Maybe he looked back at the ship and went, oh my goodness, what have I done? He's thinking about everything around him, the clouds. Maybe there's thunder and lightning. He cried out, Lord, save me. It's beginning to sink. Anybody ever feel like they're sinking in the midst of the storm? 
Again, you're not, you're not out in the middle of a dead horse in the midst of a crazy storm or something. What about in your life? What are you going through where today you've shown up and you're like, Lord, I'm sinking? Maybe you're like me on that graduation day. Lord, I'm sinking. I'm struggling. I'm hurting. I'm exhausted. I'm sinking. And I love what Jesus does next in verse 31. Immediately, what does Jesus do? He reaches out his hand. He doesn't let Peter sink. He reaches out his hand and he caught him. The arms of the Savior were right there for him to scoop him up and lift him up. And Jesus says this, you of little faith. You know, I, I always read that and went, wow, I could see Jesus, you of little faith, shame on you, right? The scolding. Do you know, it's actually, it's actually one word in the, in the original Greek language. One, one word, and yes, there's, there's this tone of correction, but it seems like there's this tone of kindness, too. And love and affection. You of little faith. Why did you doubt? Jesus is telling Peter, I got you. I got you. You can trust me. I'm here for you. I think about how many people maybe in our own lives and your life who did let you sink, who didn't put their arm out, who just walked away. We serve a God who doesn't just walk away. We serve a God who puts his hand out for you. We serve a present God, and he won't let you sink. Verse 32, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. So Peter and Jesus are walking together back to the boat. Remember, the waves are going crazy. The thunder and lightning's going. It's just crazy, and they get into the boat. And as soon as they get into the boat, the wind dies down. What, what was that like for the disciples? See, it's 180 change. Again, I know in the Verde Valley, the weather can change on a dime, right? But like this was like, boom, boom, like this crazy storm, complete peace and stillness. Verse 33, we see how the disciples respond. Those who were in the boat, they worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. They worship their, their hearts said Jesus, we, with their hearts and their lips, they said, Jesus, we love you. You are the one our hearts adore. They lifted him up and they said, you are king and savior and Lord. And they, we're going to find out as we continue through Matthew, if you were to keep reading, they didn't have it all figured out yet. They, they actually were missing a lot of things. They kind of missed the boat, no pun intended, on some things. But in that moment in the boat, they worshiped him. They praised him. Truly, you are the son of God, Jesus. How do I replace my anxiety with peace? A main point as we continue our time today, an overarching point is this, where you look 
makes all the difference. Where you look makes all the difference. How do I replace my anxiety with peace? A couple things that we're going to extrapolate principles from this text. Point number one, keep my eyes on Jesus. Keep my eyes trained, fixed on Jesus. In verses 28 and 29, Peter did just that. He got out of the boat. He was walking to Jesus. He was fixed on him. Forget the wind and the waves that are buffeting. I got this. Eyes fixed on him. You know, anyone here a tightrope walker by chance? No? Oh. Oh, 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 okay, sweet. Okay, one, one guy right there. So, you know what tightrope walkers do when they're, when they're walking that tightrope? Do you know where they're looking? They're looking at a fixed point in front of them. They don't look down. They don't look to the side. They don't look at the rope. They don't look at their feet. They look at a fixed point in front of them. As you and I go through the wind and the waves, the hard stuff, the relational strife, the financial struggle, the concerns about your job, your future, we get to look dead ahead at Jesus. He is the point that is fixed. He is the anchor. He is what keeps us going. You know, we don't need to look to the left. We don't need to look to the right. Keep our eyes fixed as we walk this <laughs> tightrope of life. Jesus had something to say in Matthew chapter 5 through 7, that Sermon on the Mount. In the, in the midst of that message, he acknowledged a fact, you're going to have anxieties, right? There are, there's things going on. There's needs that you have. Don't be anxious, though. He says, but, instead of being anxious, seek first the kingdom of God is righteousness. Seek first. And all these things, these, these needs that you have, they'll be taken care of. Now, that doesn't mean that he's going to dump $100,000 today in your bank account. That'd be pretty cool if he did, though. God bless you, right? That doesn't mean you're going to get the nicest car around. That doesn't mean all your relational strife is going to be solved. That doesn't mean that your job stuff is going to be solved. It doesn't mean he's going to take every, care of everything instantly, but it means he, he's going to take care of your needs. He's got you. He's reaching his hand out and saying, I've got you. Seek first his kingdom. Have your eyes trained on him. One big way you can do this, spend time. Spend time with this Jesus. You say, Andrew, I, I, I want to be a better parent. 
I want to bring Jesus into my marriage, into my parenting, into my work. You want to do those things? You want to grow in those things? The single biggest thing I can tell you is spend time with this Jesus. I want to challenge you, if you're not, if you're not doing this, which by the way, we're here for you. We're here to talk with you about it. We're here to help you grow in this. This is not a, a hammer of condemnation. This is just a gentle little nudge. But a challenge I want to give you, Gospel of John, right? It's all about Jesus. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read, read the Gospel of John. Try one chapter a day. Your best time. Maybe do it on your lunch break. Maybe do it in the morning when you wake up with that cup of coffee. Maybe do it a, a, you know, at, at night after you put the kids down. One chapter each day. Read the chapter. Pray. Talk with God. You can make it three minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, whatever you want. Start. Train your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on him. See what happens. Do that for the whole chapter of John. The whole chapter, whole book of John. And then tell me about it. Let me know how it goes. Keep my eyes on Jesus. How else do I replace my anxiety with peace? Number two, take my eyes off the things not of Jesus. Verse 30 through 31, Peter, what does he do? He takes his eyes off of Jesus, doesn't he? He puts it on the effects of the wind. He sees the, the waves. He sees the storm. So anybody here have any night vision goggles too? Maybe the guy who uh, tightrope walked, do you have night vision goggles also? Um, so I, I don't, but, but aren't they cool? Like they're really, really awesome. So, so what they do is they, of course, allow you to see at night. They, they take what little light there might be in the surrounding area. And they amplify it. and You can see everything around you. When we take these struggles, these issues, these storms of life, and we just focus on them, it's like you're going out at night and you just say, hey, I'm going to take a hike in, in Arizona in the middle of the night. And you can't see. It's a cloudy night. There's no moonlight. What's going to happen? You're going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt. You're going to stumble over things. You're going to struggle. You're going to get hurt. When we look at the things of this world, which matter, by the way, your bank account, you, you, you got to live, your, your work, your relationships, these things matter. It's not don't think about them or bury your head in the sand, but it's when we look at them, it's through the lens of Christ. It's putting on the night vision goggles where the light gets amplified and you see these things in the light and no longer are you stumbling around and getting hurt, but you can see with clarity. This is what happens when we train our eyes on Jesus. Those needs, those cares, those storms matter. But it's all about how you look at them and through what lens you look at them. The point isn't to diminish the size of the storm. It's to acknowledge the size of our God. You have some big storms going on, probably. 
You have some hard things going on. And there are some hard things going on in our world, aren't there? Yesterday morning, many of you know that Hamas, you know, they, they terrorized Israel. They attacked Israel. We see hundreds dead on, on both sides. We see civilians dead, people who have been captured. It's a huge storm. Goodness, by the way, may we be praying for that? Praying for what's going on over there? The point isn't to diminish that storm. It's to acknowledge how big our God is. It's to acknowledge that we have a God who stands in the midst of the storm saying, come. We have a God who stands in the midst of the storm there to, to catch, to take hold of you. We have a God who's present in the pain, in the suffering, in the storm. We have a God who, his word says, Isaiah 53, he was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. God who went so far as to take on the cross, he's familiar with storms. The point isn't to diminish the size of the storm. It's to acknowledge the size of our God. Some final thoughts as we start wrapping things up. Take care of yourself. Maybe you're you're anxious, so anxious and crippled with anxiety, and you go, why, God, am I anxious? And you spend 10 hours a day scrolling social media. Maybe you say, I'm so anxious, God, I'm so anxious as you eat your 13th donut of the day. Maybe we gotta cut back on those donuts. God has made us complex individuals, physically, spiritually, emotionally, socially. First and foremost, we keep our eyes on Jesus. This isn't a self-help sermon. This is not. But as complex individuals, where all that we do can worship God, let's also worship him with where we put our eyes, maybe what we put into our bodies, maybe the activities that we choose to do and, and exercise. All that can be worshiped to him. And by the way, too, if you need counseling, go for it. Talk to somebody. Counseling is great. I've been blessed by it many times over the years. It's such a blessing. If you need to talk to someone, go for it. Sometimes a counselor can help you untangle that knot, right, that struggle, that hardship. Go for it. And talk to us, too. We'd be happy to help point you in that direction, too. Maybe you want to talk to a pastor. We're here for you. Talk to your group. Just take care of yourself. Another final thought. You know what I would tell myself now, looking back on that graduation? If I had a time machine, which would be really cool, and I could transport back to 
to that time, sit down, you know, just sit down next to, next to younger Andrew. You know what I'd say? I'd say 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And I'd say it again. Cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Because you know what younger Andrew might say? And you know what you might be saying now? Yeah, 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 I've heard that before. Cast my anxieties on him. I know, I know. And I'd probably have to grab Andrew by the shoulders. Say, he cares for you. Friends, consider me grabbing you by the shoulders right now. He cares for you. He loves you so much. This is the reason that we can cast our anxieties. We can get rid of our anxieties, throw them out, cut the line, give them to him. Because he cares for you. Yeah, yeah, that applies to other people. But you don't know what I've done. You don't know who I am. You don't know what's going on in my heart, Andrew. There's no asterisk next to that verse, is there? He cares for you. If you don't know this Jesus today, would you make today the day where you say, I'm walking out in the water to him? Would you make today that day? In a few moments, I'll be inviting our prayer team up. Come talk to them. Come talk to me. We want you to know this Jesus who reaches out in the midst of the storm. You know what else I'd tell Andrew after going in my time machine? God doesn't waste anything. Those six months of being steeped in anxiety, he did not waste. He wastes nothing. He is a God who redeems. And so if you're sitting in a chair, you're watching online, and you say, I feel like I've wasted this, he wastes nothing. The God of redemption is reaching out his hand, saying, I've got you, and I'm going to use what you've gone through. How do I replace my anxiety with peace? I keep my eyes on Jesus. I take my eyes off the things not of Jesus. Why can we do this? Because he cares for us. Maybe you're sinking right now. He's reaching out his hand. He loves you. So this time I want to invite our prayer team to come on up. They're going to be over on my right, your left. And we're here for you. We're here to pray for you. Pray over these things. Maybe this brought up some stuff. We're here for you. Maybe fill out a prayer card. Maybe you're not comfortable going up there. That's okay. Fill out this prayer card. And our staff, we pray over this. Every Monday we pray over these cards that come in from the day prior. So we really, 
you want to encourage you, fill this out. There's something powerful about sharing, about writing down, hey, I've got this anxiety going on. I need prayer for this. And again, if you don't know this Jesus, come talk to us or write down on the prayer card, but we want you to know him. If it is your first time, don't forget you got a connect card in the seat back in front of you. We'd love to connect with you. We want to know you, and we want you to know this incredible Jesus that we love so much. So church family, how we feeling? You doing good? Yeah. All right. Well, hey, I'm praying there's no bears on your way to the parking lot. And uh, with, with that, let me pray for you right now. So God, we love you. Thank you for this time. Jesus, we love you. Thank you, Lord, that you are you're right there with us in the midst of those storms. And it's not about diminishing the size of the storm, but acknowledging the size of our God. We just love you. We worship you. We praise you. Be with each one of my friends. And God, we just continue to ask that you be glorified, magnified, and worship. Thank you that you reach your hand out to us. Thank you you're there with us in the storms. Wrap your arms of love around each person here as they go out. Just thank you for this time. We love you. We adore you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, church family. Hey, we love you guys. Have a great rest of your day. Be safe in that parking lot.